Welcome to the Gospel Addict Podcast. I'm Greg Bryan. And I'm Jim Reske. We're gospel addicts because we believe the gospel of Jesus isn't just good news, it's the best news ever. We're addicted to the gospel because it doesn't just start us out in the Christian life, it is the Christian life. Join us as we look at the Bible through the lens of the gospel. Thanks so much for listening. So let's read the next paragraph. You want to read that starting verse 9? Starting verse 9, and I'm also in the NIV tonight. Uh, John 15, verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I've learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. Man. I love it. So much. There's so much there. There's so much. What hits you first, Greg? What hits you? So much great. I mean, uh, there's there's so so much in here. Um, I I love, uh, you know, verse 11. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, he's like, what, you know, what's your motive? Why are you, t-? you know, the disciples might be thinking, why are you telling us this? Why are you, what are you, what are you talking about? Why are you going on about this abiding? He's like, I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Right. Boy, that's, I mean, God wants to bring joy into our lives. That is just such a wonderful um, thing to think about and how, he really wants the best for us. Yeah. He it's, he it's, loves us so much. And the joy that he experiences in the Godhead, the, tr- the the Trinity, the Father loving the Son and the Son loving the Spirit and the Spirit loving the Father, and how they kind of like dance around and and serve each other and love each other. And 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 you can just imagine how much joy and love that's what he wants us to experience. And so there is, you know, and then he talks about friendship here, which is which is pretty cool. Before we get to friendships, that is really cool. Just as I'm reflecting on the verses you just mentioned, think about I was just reflecting on the way I was sharing my testimony earlier in the podcast tonight, and how in the first part of my life I thought I was, you know, what made us gospel addicts, right? The contrast. Before that, I was thinking the gospel starts me off and the rest is up to my hard work and effort. And if I would have read verse 10 at that time, in fact, I did read first at that time. See, if you keep my commands, you remain in my love. But just as I keep my father's commands, you remain in my love. Well, there you go. So you got to do stuff, right? You can't just, you know, abide. You got to do stuff. You got to keep the commands. So let's get cracking. You got to help you know, grit your teeth and through hard work and effort. You are going to sanctify yourself, make yourself holy, make yourself a good Christian, perform for Christ. Right? Um, and the result of that, as I was saying before, was dry as toast. It was like burnout. It, it was just, it was... It was joyless. And the next verse here, verse 11, I, the reason I told you this, keep my commands, 
so that my joy may be, your joy may be complete. It's the complete polar opposite of the way I read it before, which was keep these commands. And even though there's no joy in it, even though it's, you know, you're grinding it out every day, just what you got to do to be a good Christian. So go and start going, get going. And it's Jesus is like, that's, and, and, and the misunderstanding I have is this idea of what, is, what are his commands? Because I read the commands thing and think of well, all the rules. You got to follow all the rules and be a good Christian, right? That's spiritual performance. And then verse 12 brings it out. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. And you know, Greg, I should have known it because when I was a, a kid in, in Sunday school, we used to sing that song. Yeah, this is my commandment that you love one another, that your joy may be full. Little little Sunday school song. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, and like this is like I don't want to sing it now. No one wants to hear that. But it, but that notion of like that is the command. I want the command is I want to build this incredible spiritual community. I want you to abide in me, so we are close. And then I want you to be close with each other and be part of this community. My command is love each other, build my church, my spiritual community. So that you're filled, you're filled with joy, right? And 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 that's the command. And I I just didn't read it that way. I had this other paradigm of spiritual performance, and I would hear the word command, and instantly think of the Ten Commandments, and that's I got to keep the rules and do stuff to be a good Christian. And he said, "Let me tell you what my command is. This is my commandment that you love one another, that your joy may be full." Right? Anyway, mm -hmm. I just. It, Total contrast to what I used to, the way I used to read it. That's great. And you know, this phrase, as the father loved me, I have loved you. Think about this for a second. You know, the father loved the son. Yeah. The father's love for the son, it had no beginning. It it had, it has no end. It It's close and personal. It's without measure and it's unchanging. I mean, that's the kind of love we all long for, isn't it? Well, I had never thought about before that. Really, you're reading the first part of verse nine. So what he's saying is the kind of love that the Father and I have as two members of the Trinity for each other. I mean, think about all the, the metaphors for love you might think of on earth, a mother's love for a child, right? The strongest kind of loves you can think of. And we're talking about the heart of the Godhead. He's saying that the way, the way I love one of the other members of the Trinity, that is the way I love you. Yeah. And it's a love that has no beginning and it wow. has no end. Yeah. It's, wow. I never saw that before, Greg. It's close and personal. It's without measure and it's unchanging. Wow. I mean, that's that's the kind of love we all long for, isn't it? Oh, yeah. And look, and if you don't find it in Christ, you look for it everywhere else your whole life. Right. Yeah. Oh, but no. this is what sets this is what sets the Christian, you know, the the um, the God of the Bible um, apart from let's say the God of Islam. Yeah. They, you know, the God of Islam, um, we believe in a triune God where there was this love relationship within the Godhead himself. So love was something that has always existed. That's why we can say God is love. That's right. Where the, the Muslim view of God is that, you know, love was created by God. Right. There's a unitary God. Any any religion with a unitary God is going to say that God is alone. Uh, and and at some point that God chose to create something called love. But it's not part and parcel of the, the identity of who God is, other than the Christian triune God, where love, like you said, is at the center of the Trinity, which means love is the, the heart of ultimate reality is love. God is love. As a young Christian, did you ever wrestle with the whole idea that, that God said, love me, worship me? 
like, doesn't it kind of self-center for God to, to command us to worship him? Yes. Yeah. I think it's, if you don't understand the Trinity, it is, it kind of is self-centered for God to say, worship me. There's an old movie. Um, I think I told you the story once before, uh, but there's an old movie with Dudley Moore. I think it's called Bewitched. It's like from 1967 and he meets the devil and I want to the whole, it's just a, a campy movie from the late sixties. And there's a scene in which the devil, they're walking on the street in London and Dudley Moore says, uh, so why did you fall away anyway? And the devil says, here, I'll show you. He jumps on top of a mailbox and he says, go ahead and worship me. And he says, well, all right. Okay. And he starts, he says, okay. He starts dancing around around this mailbox while he's sitting on top of a mailbox in, in, on London, in London. And he says, okay, you're kind, you're wise, you're beautiful, you're great, you're so great, okay, you're beautiful, you're kind. He says, hey, this is getting boring. When's it going to be my turn? Exactly, says the devil. <laughs> that's what I said. <laughs> and that's, but it's exactly the image you just said. We feel like, it's, okay, I'll worship you. It's, you, you. it's your command, but come on, right? You know, and this is the point of the gospel. It changes everything, right? Worship isn't for his benefit. It's for our benefit. He is beautiful. He is wise. He's we're just, you don't understand it. We're just out of touch with that reality. Worship brings us closer in touch with that reality. It's totally for our benefit. He doesn't need a reminder that he's great. We don't need to sing great as I faithless to remind him. He knows. It's to get my heart and my mind in touch with that reality of how wonderful he is. It's all for our benefit. Yeah, and That's it has to do with that, that, you know, that verse about the joy. He wants yeah. us to experience his joy. The joy that he he has in the trip, in the, in the, Trinity, he wants us to experience that. That's the offer. That and is so that offer. ties into, and then he also, Jesus makes this profound statement about, you know, greater love has this, uh, has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. Yes. And he's saying that knowing that in a few hours he's going to the cross. Right. Um, to, to pay for the sins of his friends. And then he, he says, you are my friends. Yeah. Um, so no, let's talk about, so friendship is a theme here. So what, what are your thoughts on that? I know you're doing some research on that, but well, not, we, we live in a, we live in a world, especially among men. It's, you know, the statistics show that a lot of men struggle with friendships. Well, that is true. And I just saw some article I'm going to bring up when I talk about this a couple of weeks, how it's actually gotten worse in the last 20 years. There are more and more fr uh, men, um, are saying well, I don't have any personal friends at all, and you can blame social media, um, you, or, or people spending too much time looking at screens or whatever the cause is. But statistically, if you look at the number, of, if you just survey men 20, 30 years ago, how many close friends do you have, and you do the same kind of survey questions today, it's gotten worse. And there's so many men who just like you know, get to a certain age, they don't know how to make friends, don't know how to keep friendships, and you sustain relationships or sustain friendships. And the but I think the, the amazing thing here is that God is saying friendship is a core part of the Christian religion. Mm. It's not, if you think about all these other religions, you say obedience is a key part of the religion, you know, um, working towards the precepts of the religion and climbing that, that stairway to heaven, that ladder. But in Christianity saying, you, you know, one of the, one of the major reasons, well, the reason I'm going to die is because you're my friends <laughs> and you can have friendship with each other and you can have that kind of bond and fellowship. You can abide to me, the first part of John 15, and now the middle of John 15, friends. You can have fellowship with each other and fellowship with me and you're my friend. I mean, that whole concept of friendship 
And by and, and it comes from what you were saying. It's all based on the Trinity. The whole idea that we even have something called friends and, and earth relationship is all a reflection of the, the fact that we're made in his image. The fact that it all started with their friendship with each other, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, right? That's what makes friendship even possible. So, And, you know, it makes so much sense, like, as I think about the, the you know, the Christian worldview, the idea is that our God is a relational God. Right. You know, he was, our God is a community in and of himself, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, a community, a perfect loving community. And so when he made us, he made us for relationships. Right. Right. And, and the ultimate relationship is to have a relationship with him. And so he comes down that relationship was broken. And so he comes down and actually becomes one of us, like to bring us back into relationship with him. It's, 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 it's most uh, powerful story of redemption. You could, you could ever think of. Oh, it's unbelievable. And I think that you think about references to friendship in the old Testament, like when God said, God talked to Moses as a man speaks to his friend, right? That kind of intimacy. And you could have read that in the Old Testament and said, well, that was one special guy that had that offer. No one else. I mean, God created one individual like Moses, you know, and then you have great patriarchs of the faith, Abraham and David. Those people had that kind of offer to be that close to God, right? The Bible says David was a man for God's own heart. But rank and file Christians like you and me or, you know, people, followers of God, like we never have a chance to do it. But this passage says the exact opposite. You are my friends. I don't call you servants anymore, I call you friends. What's on offer for us in Christianity is to have that kind of intimacy with him and friendship with him, and then friendship with each other. It's yeah. it's pretty incredible. I think it's pretty unique among religions. They say there's a, there's a role of friendship in the Christian life. Oh, and and, and one more thing. Uh, I think um, uh, I, uh, Tim Keller has sermon on this point this out. Almost all of us come to Christ through friends. Yeah. Right? You talk about KP a minute ago. You're saying he's a, he befriended you. He drove an hour and 15 minutes to come and meet with you. I mean, some of us, you know, we grew up in a Christian home. We hear from our parents. That's great. You go to a church, you hear from a pastor. But I think so many people become Christians because someone said, hey, I know Jesus and I want you to know him too. It's friendship, right? And then we, and if he didn't, he'd say, but you grow in Christ through friends. You get together and you study the word and, right? And, Friendship Absolutely. is a massive role in the Christian life. Absolutely. Right? That is so true. There's so much. Um, and I think this theme of friendship kind of carries on through a couple of these chapters. But I like verse 16, though, too. You did not choose me, but I chose you. Yeah. And appointed you that you may go bear fruit, fruit that will last. Um, just the idea that... <laughs> So often we th when we look at our spiritual journey, we think about this is the time I came to know Jesus. This is when I chose Jesus. But the longer you walk with God, the, the more you look back and you see that um, you had very little to do with becoming a Christian or coming to know Jesus. God uh, was God was let's put it this way. God was chasing me along, you know, he was seeking me out before I was seeking him. Right. And I think and, if you could, you say, you, if you say, but I, I, I responded to that, I made a response and I, I chose him back all well and good, but you don't get any credit for that in the Christian life. The credit's all him. That's 100%. true. 
100% and zero. He did everything, right? Yeah. Right? That's, so, that's so great. And then verse 17, this is my command, love each other. Think right. about the disciples and how they were from all these different backgrounds and how, you know, some were fishermen, some were, you know, they, they must have, it must have been challenging at times. Well, we know that, you know, they, they talked about who's the greatest and they, right. you know, um, just this reminder that to love each other um, is, is pretty powerful. Well, let's, let's, um let's read the rest of this chapter. Yeah. Um, so I'll pick up in verse 18. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I've chosen you out of the world. This is why the world hates you. Remember what I told you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. They will treat you this way because of my name, for they do not know the one who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin, but now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father as well. If I had if I had not done among them the works no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. As it is, they have seen, and yet they have hated both me and my father. But this is to fulfill what is written in the law. They hated me without reason. When the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. Okay, so it's a little interesting uh, ending here. Right. It takes a real serious, like a pretty dark turn, right? Um. The first part of uh, John 15 is about, you know, abiding in me, being the, I'm the vine, you're the branches. The middle is your fellowship with each other, your friendship with me, your friendship with each other, love each other. And now, little dose of reality, the world hates you. The world is yeah. gonna. And this is, like you said, like 24 hours before his death, Jesus probably, there some of them are probably still thinking, okay, this is the big, the big reveal, the big event where you take over power and you become the political savior of the world and you sit on the throne and they kick the Romans out of Israel. It's going to be great, right? And you think about his kind of last message when he says, launching from verse 17, this is my command, love each other. But by the way, it's going to be real tough going from here. Yeah. It's I mean, not, yeah. Right? just Yeah. This, this is, that is, that is so true. Right. Dose reality. You know, and the, and don't be surprised by it. You know, um, honestly, it's it. To be honest, right, it still does surprise me because I think the offer of Christianity is so stunning. It's you know that he says you know nothing else in life says you can have all your sins washed away. You don't have to perform to self justify yourself. Self self justification is so wearying. That burden can be completely lifted off your shoulders. Just take the offer. Right, take the offer. Someone says, "I will justify you completely." And now you are already clean. At verse three, right? You're already clean. I can make you completely clean. Like I love what you said that time. I think, and I know you heard it from someone else. Every other religion is due. Every other religion is due, but Christianity is done. It's all done. And now knowing yeah. that, I can abide in Him. I can have incredible peace. I can be His friend. I can have fellowship. And yet the world looks at that and says, "I hate that." I yeah. Hate 
it it is kind of crazy to think that people hate Jesus or hate yeah. the gospel. Yeah. How could you hate it? It's such good news. Well, that back in John 3, is it that verse? We can flip to it, but it says, this is the message that has come. This is the message. The light has come into the world and people love the darkness more than the light because their deeds were evil. Hmm. Love the darkness more than the light, right? Yeah. And, you know, I think this this whole idea of the world hating us, it seems like it's it seems like we're living in a time uh, where it's becoming more and more real. Yeah. Oh, uh, it feels like it. Yeah. I mean, right. there's so much misunderstanding and judgment and um, yeah, it's just it's uh it's crazy. But yeah, you wonder what was going through the disciples' mind, you know, as they're listening to Jesus saying these words. Right. And like you said, he takes a sharp turn. Um, you know, he's talking about love and friendship and yeah. <laughs> and choose yeah. how he chose them. And then all of a sudden he's like kind of a reality check. Hey, but you're living in a world that doesn't like you because you know, you're, you're gonna see how the world is gonna it hate it hates me. It's going to put me on the cross. Go ahead. What were you thinking? I just, I'm just thinking about it again. This is like this is why we. It's a little bit this self-discovery. We pray the Holy Spirit guide us and think this. We read these things, but the, if you just read the first two thirds of this chapter, you might say, "See, that's what I mean. Jesus wasn't God or the Son of God. He's just a teacher of love and peace." Now, you really couldn't really read it that way because if you read it closely, he's saying, "The Father loved me, so I loved you," and I mean, so he really is talking about. He's not going to be just some teacher of love and peace if you read it closely. But nevertheless, you could say, this is all wonderful. It's love and peace. And you see, what Jesus is saying is just teach me some principles to live by, some inspirational principles of love and peace. And I think Jesus is saying, but my message isn't that. When you come to Christ, you do have to say, I am a lost sinner, and I, I have to abandon my self-salvation project. I can't save myself. i got to put my entire trust in you. And people hate that message. I, like, I love the love and peace stuff. I can work on that. That's inspirational for me. But wait, you're saying I'm I am a completely lost sinner and I have no hope of my own. And I have to actually put my trust in you alone and admit that I'm lost. Uh-uh. I'm not interested in that. You know, mm. and I I need a little help. You know, on a scale of nine to ten, on one to ten, I'm I'm a I'm a seven or eight. I need Jesus for a little extra lift to get that last 20 percent, but i'm not a zero and the gospel message says you're you're a complete zero you have no merit right the verse you said you did not choose me i chose you you don't get any credit for anything right mm -hmm. in, in the gospel and i think that the god the offer is so great but what it takes is someone to say wake up and say i can't put any trust in myself it's all in you and what's that who said this before once that that, that's that him nothing in my hands i bring only to thy cross i cling and the answer is it the, the problem is it's so hard to come with nothing in your hands you always want some credit for something you've done right that's true the world hates that the world hates that you call me you call me a sinner you're saying i'm a bad person is that what you're saying you say i'm going to hell is that what you're saying I mean, you probably heard that on campus when you're sharing christ with people right the kind of hostile reaction to christianity Yep, I've heard I've had that reaction before for sure. Well, think about the disciples. 
they understood this because they were all persecuted and almost all of them died as martyrs. Yeah. They were willing to go to their death. So they knew the hatred of the world. And, and they say that in our day and age, more people, more Christians are martyred today than, um, you know, yeah. I forget what the statistic is, but it's something like more Christians have been martyred, you know, in this last year than have been martyred in the last, you know, 2000 years or something like that. Yeah. That it, it, there is a real hatred for towards, uh, towards, uh, the gospel, which is, it is, it's, it's really hard to wrap your mind around that. Right. Um, but I love the end of the chapter. It talks yeah. about the Holy spirit. That's right. That he's basically saying, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, be gone, but I'm going to send the spirit of truth and he will testify about me. And uh, then you see in the book of Acts, like how God used these, these men um, filled with the Holy spirit to proclaim the gospel and were willing to be persecuted, suffer uh, harm even willing to die for their faith. It's pretty powerful. Well, and it, we can flip there with that verse in Acts that says people noticed that about them and said these are just ordinary men, but they noticed that they had been with Jesus, so they were just remaining in him. They were abiding in Christ. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Gospel Addict Podcast. Feel free to contact us via email at gospeladdictpodcast at gmail.com. Stay tuned for our next episode and remember, on your worst days, you're never beyond the reach of God's grace. And on your best days, you're never beyond the need of God's grace. See you next time.